Hello, everybody. Welcome to this special episode uh, where we're going to be talking about the uh, sort of differences and similarities of Avatar Legends to uh, sort of D20 based other TTRPGs, specifically Dungeons and Dragons. Um, but Justin, I know you talked about you have a lot of uh, Pathfinder experience, which is fantastic as well. So we'll kind of get some of that in there as well. Uh, introductions probably be the best place to start. Uh, my name is Skyler. I'm the DM over at the Benders and Brews podcast, uh, which is an Avatar Legend podcast, which all of us are going to be kind of key figures within. Uh, Cameron, you want to? Well, I'm Cameron. I play a character named Bill Dore from the Benders and Brews podcast. Uh, that's that's my specialty. <laughs> that's your specialty. Awesome, Justin. Yeah, uh, I'm Justin. I am the DM GM. Whatever floats your boat over at the Flying Bison podcast. Uh, we've been playing Avatar Legends for, man, almost a year and a half now at this point. Um, nice. So much fun. It's a, it's a very fun system, very beloved setting. So very happy to, to be here doing this with you guys. Absolutely. Yeah. Johnny. Yeah, hi, I'm Johnny. I am one of the players at the Flying Bison podcast. I play a character named Osa. And Shoban. And Shoban. I, I played Shoban. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> a tear comes to my eye. Now, Johnny, this is the first time I've gotten to meet you. Uh, yeah. Karen is is new to both both of you guys. Uh, Justin, I got to meet you when we recorded for uh, the one shot of the Flying Bison podcast. But Johnny, it's awesome to meet you. Yeah, it's um, great so meeting glad you. To have you. Awesome. Yeah, Perfect. Thanks for having me. So I guess maybe real quick start off. Uh, what's everybody's like? Where are you guys all coming from as far as tabletop role-playing games go? Like, I can say that I started D&D in college. Um, that's kind of where I stemmed from. Um, Cameron and I have played a couple games uh, of the other Powered by the Apocalypse games. So, like, Monsters of the Week and Masks. Um, I think you ran most of those. I, I yeah. ran a Monster of the Week campaign, which was super fun. Yeah. Um, but that's about the extent of, for me, at least. Uh, for myself, I been playing as well as Skylar D&D uh, &D since college uh, and unlike um, I, some people you know when they first start playing they usually start as a player uh, but sometimes they're the un unfortunate soul to start as the DM because oh, no one yes. else has to play that was me <laughs> so I was the DM forever DM throughout college and then coming here to back home meeting Skylar playing games with him I was still the DM Skylar was a DM as well so thankfully I was finally able to play thanks to Skylar so that was great uh, but on side of that, I did Monster of the Week. I did Masks. I did a little Pathfinder as well, but definitely probably not to a level of like a long time, only like like half a year worth of sessions. So I'm mm. not the best, but I do know the system. I can compare it to D&D &D as oh, well. Oh, awesome. Perfect. So I've dabbled in a lot of systems, and I've also dabbled in creating my own systems as well because yeah. I, I think RPG systems are an awesome thing, and I think you should be constantly trying to push for new ideas and systems to fit the play styles of your players. True. Sure, totally awesome. What about you guys? Um, well, I also, weirdly enough, started in college. Um, I found out some friends were playing it, and they're like, you should come play with us. The uh, DM then was using, like, an OSR. Um, oh, so it wasn't okay. quite Dungeons and Dragons. It was some, it was some, you know, like old school hack of Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> uh, and then I uh, bought the Pathfinder Adventure card game. Oh. Uh, and 
because uh, I loved playing in the OSR game. I was like, oh, what's this? Picked it up. Uh, and Danny, who's another one of our players, uh, he's my brother-in-law as well. Um, oh, we wow. we played that, and then we saw in the box that there was the Pathfinder beginner box. We bought that, and we, we've been playing Pathfinder 1E since then. Um, so, yeah, I've GM'd multi-year campaigns in Pathfinder 1E. Uh, I played uh, 2E. I've played a little bit of Starfinder. I've played a little bit of Dungeons & Dragons 5E. I DM'd a, sure. a family game during COVID online. Oh, that was fun. Nice. That um, is fun. And uh, yeah, I listened to a lot of actual plays. Um, so I was familiar with Powered by the Apocalypse. Um, and then when Avatar came out, I was like, let's let's just jump in and let's play it. So that, this was my first foray into something not Pathfinder, really. Sure. Very cool. Yeah. Johnny, what, I, what have you gotten into? Yeah, it seems like we've got an unintentional theme going tonight because I also started in college. Uh, started <laughs> college is with... a real breeding ground for tabletop. <laughs> yeah, play. yeah. I got started. We I went to this hyper conservative Bible college where like uh, the satanic panic was still in full swing, and so we had this like really underground game <laughs> going. But we started with D and D three point five, and then went to Pathfinder one E, and then. Uh, went on like a bit of a dry spell for a while and then 5e came out and me and a bunch of friends started playing 5e and then we played the star wars rpg for a while and then uh, like constantly in in uh 5e campaigns for for years and years and then uh one of our other cast members steve told me about justin getting ready to start up the flying bison podcast and got me plugged in and yeah that's awesome yeah Star Wars, Star Wars RPG is probably like at the top of my list as far as ones that I would love to try out at some point. I've also played one as well. Yeah, it's yeah, super Star fun. Wars. It's it's like a nice middle ground between like crunch and like rules yeah. light narrative focus. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Okay. All I right. also forgot. I played the Warhammer RPG system too. Totally forgot about that too. <laughs> I, I guess so it last it left a stuff. lasting impression. It seems yeah, to. It seems to yeah. <laughs> I honestly couldn't tell you a thing that happened in that campaign because the DM told me the system's very complicated. Just tell me what you want for a character. I told him, he made it for me, and then he basically just told me what to roll, and I rolled. And he took all of the, the system out of it for me, and he just literally asked, like, just tell me your actions, and I'll just tell you what to roll. Hmm. And so I didn't know what was going on in terms of the system, but I was having a lot of fun hmm. just, like, learning Warhammer lore just yeah. as I went through the game. Sure. Yeah, sure. Yeah. That's <laughs> wild. So as I mentioned before, you know, we're all here. Um, I know... At the time of this recording, there's a lot of craziness going on in the D&D community with, you know, OGL licensing and stuff like that. Some some anger within the community and other things like that. Um, conveniently, though, uh, Avatar Legends has kind of gotten their shipping done and it's getting all distributed to everybody at this point in time, which is really exciting. I feel like they really, hey, there it is. That's awesome. <laughs> um they really did hit the nail. And I don't know how they did it, but they really hit the nail on the head with the timing. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of an exciting new time where a lot of people are out there looking for new tabletop role-playing games to get involved with and to try out and see what it's like. And I think that the timing of Avatar Legends getting their stuff out and everything like that has really like created this nice coalescence between the two where people are starting to say, hey, what's going on over here? What are you guys doing? We're playing Avatar Legends. Come on over. Join us. Play with us. Learn how the game works. And so that's kind of what we're here to do today is a lot of people are coming in from that Dungeons & Dragons background. 
and they might be a little bit confused because the Powered by the Apocalypse rules are quite a bit different than the Roll20 rules that they might be used to. So that's what today's for. That's what this episode's for is just kind of discuss those differences, some of the similarities, and try to help people uh, figure it out. I mean, I can't say that we'll necessarily explain everything about the rules and be able to help with every rule. <laughs> I know you guys over the Flying Bison podcast, your Discord channel uh, is phenomenal for that. If people have questions, I highly recommend heading over there. Um, I know I personally have gotten a lot of stuff answered from you guys or at least seen answers that other people have asked for um, clarification on. So it's definitely a great resource. So, um, But for today, we'll do the best that we can. Uh, like I said, we'll make some comparisons and hopefully that gets us there. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we'll cross our let's fingers. So yeah, let's do it. All right. So first, I, I kind of came up with like an outline of different topics or whatever the case uh, to kind of do some comparisons and stuff. So first of all, um, D&D players, things that you should know about Avatar Legends. First of all, it's not so much of like a strategy heavy game per se. It's not, you know, numbers, I guess would be the best way to put it. It's not a huge amount of like heavy numbers game. It's very based on the story and centered around the story and the narrative, um, creating the story kind of uh, uh, collaborative storytelling would probably be the best yeah. way to put it. It's not a combat simulation. Yes. You know, a lot yes, of times exactly. when you play D&D, you're like trying to move from combat to combat, next encounter to the yes. next encounter. And that that is definitely not uh, Avatar Legends, but powered by the apocalypse really in general is not really interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Combat slog. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Monster of the Week, similar. Well, I, all the powered by apocalypse are similar. From my experience, Monster of the Week was one that we did a, a decent amount of. And that was kind of the same thing was it's more about like coming up with what happens, really working with the players. I know when I first actually got described D&D, &D, the guy that was DMing, he said, I'm here to write the chapter header, like the title of the chapter. And then you guys are here to like kind of fill in the entire like actual chapter itself, like the content of the book. Yeah. And to be honest with you, I feel like Avatar Legends kind of does almost a better job of that. I mean, I'm not dissing D&D by any means, but definitely like very much more story centered. So mm -hmm. don't go into it thinking like, man, I'm going to roll dice. I mean, you will roll dice, but you're not going to be like building up your stats and trying to like, I don't know, min-max maybe a little yeah. bit or something like that. Like it's more of just like a, a, a like I said, story centered direction, I suppose. So Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So uh, let's see. Let's jump in with uh, character like creation in general, because that's one thing about D&D. &D, you got this big old character sheet. You're moving numbers back and forth. Like I said, this isn't a huge numbers game, but that's a good example of what a numbers game might look like. You've got, you know, all your modifiers and your stats that then factor into your modifiers that go into all of your skills and your other attributes. That all isn't really here so much like the rundown of a character sheet. Like you're picking, I don't know, what do you guys like see as the first thing that you choose when you're making a, a character sheet for Avatar Legends? Would you go for your playbook oh, yeah. or do you go for your bending decision first? I don't even go for the bending decision, really. Yeah, I think I think bending has has been secondary for me, but I go for the, okay. the playbook first. Yeah, right. OK. So I'm more of the oddball, but this is how I always character create ever since I've started playing. I, uh, D&D, &D, any system, I find the class or subclass in D&D &D that I want to play, right? 
and then I create a character based around the class I have. So in the case of like uh, the Avatar Legends or Benders and Brews, I'm playing Bildor, who is a uh, a guardian type character, and I wanted to make a character that was based around that. I really, when I play games, I usually am the protector, the tank usually is how I play. So when I saw the guardian, I was like, this is perfect for me. And then I designed a character around the class I saw in itself, and then I made a backstory through it. Now, I'm not saying that's the way everyone should do it. That's just the way I personally like it. I know other people like to make a character idea, and then they find the class that is closest to that idea that they have in their head, which is just as fine. I certainly think it's a little better because you're coming in with a more fleshed out character. I just like that when you come in with a class, it gives you like a skeleton, and then yeah. you can add the meat to it. Sure. But if you do it the opposite way, it works just as fine. It's just as long as you, you're playing a character that has a good vision, that's the point, right? If you if yeah. you play where you pick the bending first and then the playbook after, you're taking yeah. the meat and then adding the skeleton yeah, to it? Yeah, you're just going to shove it inside. <laughs> I, it's, <laughs> I, I I agree. And factually, there's actually I was like flipping through the core rule book and there's a section on like, should you like come up with a character first? Should you pick your playbook first? Um, I like whenever I end up playing with new people or when we were like creating characters and they were like, this is the character I want to play. What I, I always find the super interesting thing well, they'll describe the character and I'll be like, you know, there's honestly like three different playbooks that like fit that. It all depends on what um, like emotional arc you want that character to go on. So like, yeah. if you focus on this part of your backstory, I would say this playbook. If you focus on this part instead, you know, you can have that other part, but the focus is over here. Instead, you're going to be this other playbook instead. And I feel like that is such a great way to bring in. I'm sure we're going to talk about this later, but like the difference between like a playbook and a class um yes. you're not you're not picking the playbook for like oh look at this cool feature i get to yeah. have you're picking the playbook because that's the story you want to tell you want to right, see them right. through that arc yeah 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 we will probably drill down on this more later but i was just gonna say like i feel like classes in D tell you what your character can do and playbooks mm -hmm. in avatar legends tell you who your character is mm -hmm. yes that's good. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. What you could be, yeah. what you could work towards to some yeah. extent. Yeah. Which is really exciting. Awesome. Yeah. And then, and then, yeah. And then bending can kind of follow after. Well, there I you mean, go. There's that's a, on how you want to do that's it. That's true. I mean, I mean this yeah. Is yeah. So, like, if you want to come with an idea of what bender you want to be, go for it. Like, right. totally. Yeah. That's why you're playing this, right? You want to be a yeah. bender. I get it. Except for yeah. me. He was like, I want to be a non-bender. <laughs> <A> non so, <laughs> <laughs> well, and I like what you said, Justin, about, you know, kind of the, the concept of, so, like, you could take the idea of a character that you want to play, and it would work for multiple playbooks, too, which is really cool. I uh, I was just working the other day. I was trying to, like, compare characters from the Avatar Legends show to what playbook they would be. And, like, almost all of them had at least two, if not three. Yeah. Yep. Which was a little bit frustrating with what I was trying to work on. But I'm like, you know what? It is what it is. And I don't want someone to call me out in the comments and be like, yeah, but I think he's more of a razor type or something like that. That's what's fun about it is that yeah, someone, exactly. I mean, someone else can have a completely different perspective of a character, even a character like from Avatar The Last Airbender and be like, oh, like yeah. this was a meaningful thing for that character for me. And where you're like, oh, no, they're actually more like this. Um, mm -hmm. I think that's what's fun about the meta narrative of like playing a game and creating fiction together. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah completely agree. Completely agree. Um, one similarity that's going to come into play with your character when you're making them is you do technically have stats, right? There's like, what mm -hmm. is it I'm trying to think off the top of my head? Is it five stats? Uh, it's five. Uh, well, it's 
four unless you're four. counting your principal. Yeah, right. That's yeah. true. That's yeah. true. Yep. Yep. So your four stats, um, kind of similar to the concept behind the D and D stats. Like, you know, your charisma is sort of a broad generalization of kind of a number of technical aspects that you could break down if you really wanted to, how well you can talk to people, how attractive you might be like physically or just generally like, you know, how uh, social you might be, you know, and that kind of translates over a little bit into the Avatar Legends playbook or uh, character sheets where you have like creativity. Well, creativity that can kind of jump between like, I mean, it's just the general concept of how you find solutions for whatever your given situation is. Um, what sort of different takes you might be willing to go into and so on and so forth. So, I mean, they do kind of, as some similarity between the two games, have stats with like a broad, you know, general definition about them, I would say. Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> At the end of the day, every RPG system is going to have a stat line mm -hmm. uh, because that's kind of what makes an RPG an RPG. There's only going to be like some some loose side rpgs a good example is dread which is one i personally mm. love but there's no stat system in dread but i still yeah. personally love it but in most rpg systems you're going to find stats because you need some base level to base dice rolling off of right you can't just be pure random right yeah. you need to have something to make your character differentiate from other characters but I, what i do like about the avatar legends system they have for uh dice system is they kind of simplified it and that's what the power oh, yeah. apocalypse system or D&D they have multiple they took it made four and they very much just made, made just crunched it down to just one or two actions for each stat and therefore it you can be more broader in what mm -hmm. you want to do everything's flavor yes. to to whatever it is that you're kind mm -hmm. of the broad decision you're choosing yeah yeah and I think they, I mean, they really did that to really assist with the, I mean, aside from just the fact that it's a very big open story, you know, the bending itself, I mean, they can't write moves yeah, for every single fire bending technique out there or water bending technique out there. So it's like you, the character, or you, the player get to kind of come up with the cool ways that your character is using the bending or, you know, non-bending weapon attacks or whatever the case, uh, the technology, you know, kind of inventions and things like that, like put your creativity into it. Don't be limited by I'm playing the rogue class and it says that I'm allowed to use bows and other simple weapons and I have to do an attack. That's me shooting an arrow at this guy and it does double damage if he's standing next to another guy who's distracted by somebody else on my team. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So there is definitely, you know, like I said, some similarities between one of them being stats with a little bit of uh, differentiation between what those stats are. Uh, they still work in tandem with dice. Uh, rather than rolling a d20 to determine all your stuff, uh, what gets added to it and so on, you're rolling 2d6. For those out there that you know haven't had a chance to read through the rules, that'll be a pretty like s straightforward thing you'll see a lot and you'll see from the beginning. You roll 2d6 for everything, which is super nice. You know, it kind of minimizes the amount of dice you have to have. I don't have to go buy a whole set. I could just go to the store and get a couple dice. Rip out the old Yahtzee. Yep, yeah. exactly. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Take some dice out of your Yahtzee game. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I think that's, you know, that's super nice. It's a it's a much simpler system than, okay, well, I did this attack, so that means I have to roll a whole other dice. But not before I do that, I have to roll the d20 to determine if my attack succeeds, so on and so forth, you know, which is, yeah, simpler, nicer, cleaner. So, uh, yeah, 
Oh, yeah, well, I, was just, I was just going to jump in now. Like, it seems like a good time to, to talk about moves because we're talking oh, about yes. stats and like what you roll with. Like D&D is what we call like a skill based. Yes. Tip, yeah. Right. Like you've got a list of skills. That's what you're adding your stats to to get uh, a number. Uh, yeah. The way that powered most powered by the apocalypse works is what they call moves. And they are fictional triggers that will happen when they happen in the fiction. So mm-hmm. they don't trigger unless it actually happens in the fiction. And yes. once it does, it'll tell you to roll with one of your stats. And uh, I, now is a good time to to mention, like, you're also not, you don't need to roll high in this game. Right. Right. And D&D, you yeah. want to roll as high as possible. And yep. in Powered by the Apocalypse and Avatar Legends, uh, there, are, there are three sort of outcomes for your roll. There's a, a miss. There's a, a weak hit, which is a success with complications, and then a strong mm-hmm. hit. And honestly, I would say seven out of ten times, you're going to hit that weak hit. You're going to mm-hmm. do what you want to do, but there's going to be some complication to the narrative. And that's actually what I think makes these games fun, is that you're you're succeeding at what you want to do, but it snowballs all these complications until what you started out with as the original like obstacle has evolved into something so much bigger and more natural than it would have if you had just like forced a solution to the obstacle. Absolutely. And that's what grows the story, which is so cool. Like the story would have just been so like one lined, I'm attacking a monster. I roll, I succeed or don't succeed. It attacks me back. Right. This opens up all these possibilities of, well, you hit him. But he had a mm-hmm. chance to hit you back in the moment or, you know, maybe he dodged out of the way a little bit and it kind of broke up the ground. And it's like it just opens up so much creative like directions that you can go, which is really cool. It's really cool. And it's really nice for the for whoever's running the game as well. Like I don't have to come up with, oh, he rolled a one. What's some clever, funny, goofy, ridiculous thing that happened because he failed. Right. Yeah. The game kind yeah. of leads you in a direction and says he failed. And this is sort of like semi what the consequences are going to look like, but you can obviously spin it based on the narrative, which is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I think on the flip side too, from the player side, it's, it makes things more interesting. You don't have things like a, you can't have a a 15th level halfling wild magic (laughs) sorcerer with a lucky feat where failure is essentially impossible. It forces you into interesting (laughs) stories. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I guess one other thing I would also, is the piggyback off of, uh, Justin would be uh, moves in uh, the system uh, are also loose, just like uh, I'm talking about player moves are also loose versus like in D&D when you have your when you level up, you'll gain abilities. Right. But those abilities are straight abilities like I get them. They do this and it's set in stone like it's I'm going to do this. Sometimes you have to roll a D20 to see if you can succeed at it, but it's either succeed or fail. While in this system, it uses the same fail weak weak hit or strong mm-hmm. hit right but it uses the same system for player abilities just like in the main overarching moves and that is really cool because it makes it not only it makes every action you do on top of the normal base actions to also your player actions also have a degree of random random yeah, yeah. of where will this go right so when i choose to do this action from my own player book i'm not guaranteed that i'm going to do the thing i want to do it's still going to have that element of story it's going to I'm going to have to make me and the DM are going to have to add a story element to my move. Yeah. Right. Which adds mm-hmm. another yeah. layer of flavor to each character as well. 
my my only just caveat to what you said i all i try to avoid and this is for gms and for players i guess i try to avoid saying that it's a fail right they roll yeah. a six it's a miss that's intentional they're not you because i often will give the player what they wanted to do right but i will ramp up the complication i will yes. make it yes. a much yes. worse thunk complication that i would have if they rolled seven to nine Right. Mm -hmm. And that's more fun to me because I hate it. I one of the most frustrating things about D and D and Pathfinder for me is the like, oh, I want to pick the lock. Oh, I failed. I guess I'll just roll again. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I'll just keep rolling. Like, what's the point? I'll just keep rolling until I get it. Yeah. And exactly. with this, like by adding narrative complications, you change the story in a way that does not let them just do the same thing again. They have to find some new approach to the problem. Because yeah. things have changed. Things yeah. They did it, and then things have changed since they did it, and it didn't work out as well as they might have wanted to. And now they're put into a whole new situation because they missed, you yeah. know? Yeah. yeah. No, that's awesome. That's a good way of putting it. Also, it goes off the old adage of improv, too, where you never say no, but rather you say yes, but. Yes, know? but. Yes. So, or yes, so and. Yeah, yes, yes, and, and. Yep. so if the person gets that that uh they, they miss right it, you don't say no and you just failed right there but rather it's like you you messed up this is how you messed up but you have to move on from it you <laughs> yep. know you've locked <laughs> in I, I know this is an avatar legends yeah. but uh this is brindlewood bay but uh uh, there are a few moves in Brindlewood Bay I absolutely adore because uh, it'll it'll start the move and it'll say like uh, the player tells you what they're afraid they might lose if they miss. Oh, cool. And okay. then in the text, it'll say on a miss, you tell them how it's so much worse than they expected. Oh, love that. <laughs> Ouch, <laughs> no, that's brutal. That's pretty good. I'll have to check that one. I haven't yeah. even heard of that one. I'll have I to check that one it. out. It's a lot of fun. It's very fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's amazing how many yeah. RPG systems are out there. Fun. Yeah. Like, and for so, like, such niche areas, like, it's amazing, like, how somebody, somebody was just telling me the other day that there's, like, an entire RPG system based around the concept that you are playing as someone who's deaf. And then oh. there's another one for playing as someone who's blind. And I'm like, wow, that is just so, that is, like, such a specific thing. Yeah. And it's amazing that they created an entire system around that. Like, yeah. I need to check that out, too. That's another one I got on my list. Yeah. <laughs> so awesome. Awesome. Jumping back to uh, character sheets, which I mean, moves are part of your character sheet, which is also another nice thing. Also completely off. Well, not off topic, but on the side. Uh, one of the things I love about the playbooks themselves is that everything's on your playbook, like from the get go. And then you're choosing things along the way because yeah. there is nothing worse than like, OK, I'm hitting level 10 i'm gaining like three new abilities and somehow i have to fit my chunky handwriting on this tiny little spot on <laughs> my character sheet that's already full with all the abilities i've gotten up till now avatar legends it's all right there on the page you can basically uh sort of upgrade your moves from like learned to mastered and so on and so far forth you can uh take a couple new abilities but they're all listed on there you could take, I guess the only exception to that would be taking a move from another character's playbook, yeah. which is possible, which I guess, I mean, yeah. you either yeah. reference yeah. it or print one out or something. I don't know. It's not that big yeah. of a deal. So Yeah, and that's fairly limited. So it's not like you're, 
you like, oh yeah. no, ninety percent of my information is from other playbooks now. Yeah, it's, yes. yeah. You know, it's like yeah. two things max. Two, yeah. two things. Yeah. Exactly. At most. Yep. Um, another thing is you have like those uh, traits, demeanors in Avatar Legends. There's demeanors in um, Dungeons and Dragons. You're gonna have things like your personality, your back. Well, the background, I guess, is in both places, but uh, personality, ideals, <laughs> bonds, and flaws. Whereas in Avatar Legends, you kind of have these these demeanors, these kind of like personality traits that are a little bit more defined because you don't have to like write it out, which yeah. is nice. The amount of times I've had to like Google examples for ideals because I'm like, what exactly are they looking for when they ask for that? You know, <laughs> so like, yeah, the demeanors is very like straightforward. You know, oh, I'm a little bit of a, a cheeky guy, you know, or or you know, I have a very stern personality or whatever the case, which again, another thing that I like because it's, it's well-defined on the page. Mm -hmm. There's also your history questions too. Yes. Um, which help and, define and build your background, which is yeah. great. Yeah. And uh, yeah. your connections with at least two other party members. Right. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Which is very useful. Good for party creation. Exactly. Which again, builds the story. Yeah. <laughs> It all comes yeah. back to the story. And that's yeah. that's a good thing to take away from this entire episode is it all is going to come back to the the story. The story making. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, another aspect, conditions. That's another thing that's similar between both systems. Um, I would almost argue that conditions is actually one of the most similar things because it affects usually your stats and your ability to do your moves. Um, in Dungeons and Dragons, you know, you might take some sort of a, a stunned or uh, I'm trying to think of some of the other ones, exhaustion, Strange. restrained, and those are all going to affect your attacks along the way. Avatar Legends, I mean, I would argue is pretty similar. It's going to yeah. like, you know, you're yeah. going to get a plus two on this or you just won't be able to use this move or whatever the case. Yeah. I would argue that the, uh, like the combat statuses are more yes. similar to, to right, that. Right. Right. Okay, yeah. Where conditions are, I think a little bit more unique to PBTA and Avatar Legends. Right, where, right. Cause it's, it's more consistent. There are things that can affect you consistently in D and D as well, but the conditions are more like until you do something specific and usually something negative to get rid mm -hmm. of this condition. Right. Uh, it's, you're stuck with it. Yeah. yeah. I, for people that are coming from D&D &D or Pathfinder, I liken it to health. It's not a perfect analogy, but it's the closest thing that right. Powered by the Apocalypse has to a uh, health bar. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. You're, fatigue uh, and conditions fatigued. kind of combine to be you're similar health. to HP. But but yes. please, if you're coming to play Avatar Legends, don't look at your conditions as a health bar. It's, yeah, it's no. It is a <laughs> lens into how your character is has been affected by the world and how they will then go and affect the world. Yes. Mm -hmm. And it's very specific to whatever the narrative is that's happening right now. Like during your combat exchange or whatever the case, like I'm not going to just go mark my conditions willy nilly because like, well, that's one less I got now. Like it's very specific to I just got hit in such a way or the ground beneath me just burst open and I fall. Like, you know, mm -hmm. it's very specific to what's going on. So. Also, yep. the way you clear them yes. is different because in D and D, it's a part. It's it's like you have to. It's just you're taking away stats or you're minusing an action or something. But in yes. this system, uh, it's more of a hard move that it forces you to make the clear condition, which is really interesting because it forces the player into a role play 
element to clear a condition, which, mind you, the condition itself is already forcing a role play element. But to get rid of that role play element, you have to do a different role play element. So again, yeah. Yeah. it goes back to creating more story. Exactly. So, like, since we're talking about, it, I'll give an example. Um, like, yeah. one of the conditions is angry. Yeah. If you mark angry, you take a minus two to guide and comfort someone. That makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. It's harder to, to be kind to people when you're angry. <laughs> yeah. And to assess the situation, you're you have trouble like focusing, mm -hmm. so because you're just angry. But in order to clear angry, you have to break something important or lash out at a friend. The minute you do that in the story, the scene ends. You get to unclear angry again. And that, again, to, to Cam's point, is it's a conversation, right? Like, it's you, the player, and the GM saying, like, does that meet the, the narrative requirement for that? Like, was that an important thing? Did you actually lash out at a friend? Or did you just say an unkind word in that moment? Like, mm -hmm. did that meet the requirements? And if it did, great. You're no longer angry. Yep. Yep. And again, yeah. it builds the story. But it always might be a different... Uh, condition that was created within that relationship. Ah, yes, yep, that's exactly. True. You might make that mark a condition. For yeah, exactly. <laughs> ah, the transferal of conditions. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Newton's uh, law of thermodynamics. Conditions, <laughs> conditions never go away. They just change form. <laughs> they just yeah. change. Form. <laughs> you know, one thing with con with conditions, I'll say too. I think is I don't know if this is unique to to our group or if other people do this, but. One thing I've noticed that all of us will do that I would never do in D and D. I would never like intentionally mark a negative stat playing a game of D and D. <laughs> right. But when we're playing Avatar Legends, there's times where I'm like, you know what? I think my character would be so mad about this. It doesn't make sense for me not to mark angry. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And and, and they so, say they say oh, that in the oh, book too. Uh, yeah, they say like, you know, there might be moments, and I think they they clarify and saying like, obviously your character can feel anger, right? right? But when you mark angry, you're saying this is sticking with me. What is mm -hmm. happening right now is sticking with me as a character until I find a way to deal with what has happened. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. And and I think what it does is um, I might have actually just lost my train of thought to be honest with you. But <laughs> sorry, there was something. No, 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 no. That was good. That was good. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, but no, I completely agree. Like it, it really does affect how, oh, oh, I remember what it was. Okay. If that's a, maybe a mindset that people coming from D and D should try to, to get out of, which is mm -hmm. that it's not about me boosting my character and building them up and trying to power them up in such a way so they can just fight anything and kill it. Right. Yeah. It's again, collaborative storytelling. And as we all know, like in good storytelling, bad things happen. And people make bad decisions, which end up leading to consequences, which for us are not great. Like in our real lives, we don't want to have to make, or we don't want to make bad decisions that lead to bad consequences, right? Um, but it happens and we sit there and, you know, when we watch Zuko on the screen, having this like inner turmoil of, well, you know, Uncle Iroh is kind of suggesting that I move towards like a, a different path than what my dad is suggesting, but I keep on lashing out at him. We're like, oh man, like there's so much going on here and it's it's painful and it's frustrating, but it's also beautiful in a way because we're watching that that change within Zuko that's happening. Yeah. And I know you've only watched the movie. Yeah, so. I've seen the movie, so. 
That has to be a joke, please. I'm assuming that's a joke. It it is a joke. It is. <laughs> okay. It's an okay. ongoing joke. Actually, I don't even know if we've established. Have we established no, in the show? That, oh, all. okay. That's not good for you then. <laughs> but I digress. Like, yeah, it's, Ooh, it's okay, incredible right. to see these like conflicts and yeah. that that stem from the story naturally, because like I mean, we get angry in life, right? Yeah. And it affects things. We we make bad decisions in our anger or whatever the case. It feels real. It feels more real than just if I was playing D and I just choose to make the best decision possible. Or you know, I might I might do a little bit of something crazy and hope that the dice roll comes out in my favor. But at the end of the day, like I don't know, I'll fix it later or something. Or yeah. maybe I'll just become a murder hobo. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I was just gonna say at this like. As we're talking about this, I feel like a huge difference that helps guide a lot of that is that death does not happen. Oh yeah, in Avatar Legends, right? Like it does that's sometimes. it does sometimes, but well, <laughs> to caveat, it happens when it's narratively important for it to happen. Yeah. But like, if you watch Avatar: The Last Airbender, it's the same thing. Like people don't yeah. die. Like people literally get exploded, and they're right. just like, it's the anime thing of like, like taking <laughs> yeah, the, the sweat off of things, and they're fine. Exactly. Um. And so, like, I feel like a lot of D&D and the murder hoboness and the, like, trying to power your character up comes from the fact that, like, if you make a bad choice and fail, your character could die. Yeah. Like, very real possibility that your character could die. But in Avatar Legends, like, you can make bad choices, quote-unquote bad choices, and your character mm -hmm. will not, probably won't die. Right. Unless you and the GM decide that that's what should happen. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and D&D &D is sort of like this this race to be the most powerful version yeah. of your character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that doesn't really exist in Avatar Legends. Like you mm -mm. like I, I was just thinking about how like growth and advancement, which is yeah. how you, you know, like quote unquote level up your your right. character is such a different system where like D&D, &D, if you're playing XP and your character doesn't get XP at the same rate that somebody else his character does and they Sucks. advance far beyond you yes. it's terrible yeah you feel like you're so behind and like yeah. i've i've been in campaigns where somebody's like two levels behind the rest of the party and it just like it feels awful yeah. but yes. like in avatar legends i think it's so like the last three times we've done growth and advancement i haven't gotten anything uh and like a couple other people have, but I don't feel like I'm falling behind because mm -hmm. my character hasn't gotten advancement when we're doing the the growth and advancement stuff. And I think it's cool that it's kind of built into because uh, Steve is close to finishing his growth and advancement. He's like running out of things he can check off for advancements, mm -hmm. but it's built into the rules. If you get to that point, basically your journey with that playbook is over and you can decide to retire your character or you can switch playbooks and yeah. kind of start that journey over again. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Which that but would it never be, feels like OP. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Like it almost I'm thinking back to some of the options. Um like your your moment of uh, what am I thinking of? I'm blanking on the moment word. of moment, moment of balance. balance. Yeah. Yes, moment of balance. Yes. Which is almost like just unlocking new story options for your character. Like something that you can achieve later on in a sense. Um, mm. rather than it's, it's not some, like I said, stat increase or whatever the case, it's something that you're going to input into the narrative later on or can at some point. Yeah. Something like yeah. that. Something along those lines. <laughs> <laughs> um, so those, I mean, well, 
I guess we've kind of gone into like a topical uh, direction with with everything where we're kind of discussing like each of the aspects of Avatar Legends, how it compares to Dungeons and Dragons. Um, so I'll jump into some of the other things that I have listed out here and try to like keep it within its own separate category, each thing within its category, I guess. Um, mm -hmm. So we talked a lot about characters, uh, playbooks versus classes, um, the advancements, which we talked about, which would be like leveling up, you know, some of the stats and uh, negative things that could affect your characters in both systems. Uh, this one seems a little bit unnecessary to talk about to some extent, but I, I'm going to bring it up, which is the world of Avatar Legends and how different that is from Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, it's really hard to like, I'm not, I mean, we're not going to sit here and give a full summary of everything that happens at Avatar Legends. Uh, it'd be a lot easier for Cameron to just give us a summary of the movie um, <laughs> because there was so little amount of Avatar in that that uh, it really wouldn't be hard to summarize. The world was pretty simple. <laughs> the world was very simple. <laughs> um, but there is a there is a lot of difference within you know the world of Dungeons and Dragons, which is this high magic or high fantasy, very magic focused. I guess it's high fantasy if you choose it to be. I've seen some interesting campaigns where they've really kind of thrown magic to the wind especially like if yeah. they want to do a steampunk thing which is always yeah. kind of cool there's a whole um, like which, low magic movement in yeah yeah exactly exactly which is which is cool it's cool in its own its own style um whereas in avatar legends it's very much like you know early almost early like edo period japan in a sense with the bending aspect to it all in a sense uh i guess unless you're playing like legend of korra or whatever the case in which case, that's like the industrial period. Even uh, even the Aang era and the Hundred Years yeah. War is not quite the Edo period either. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Kyoshi is probably Kyoshi closer would, to the yeah, Edo, Edo period. Closest, yeah. Um, but Kyoshi and Roku are probably there, as we know the least about. Um, we just know from the Kyoshi books and the fun lore that they added to Avatar Legends for the Roku era. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. to some extent. Like if you haven't watched the show, and you're playing Avatar Legends, you should go watch the show. Like you absolutely, like, yes. You're you're not gonna get. I will say I'll make the stand. You're not gonna get what's going on if you haven't yeah. watched to some extent the show because you are trying to emulate the tone and the genre of the the animes. So it's just not really yeah. gonna work if you come in with absolutely no touch points. Right. Avatar right. Legends. Yeah. I mean, this is this is an area where I would say, like, if we were checking points in one column or another, like Avatar Legends versus D&D, &D, I would honestly give the point to D&D &D here because I feel like Avatar Legends is a much smaller sandbox. You're like limited, sure. especially like with what we're doing, we're producing shows in this world. And so we're limited by canon at a home table where like no one's going to be listening to it. Nobody's going to care if you're like, ah, oh, let's just pretend that Kiyoshi didn't do X, yeah. Y, or Z. But right. for us, it's like, no, canon happened. And like, we can make up our own stuff, but we're limited to like, we can't just decide that Aang didn't disappear. Like, right. you know, and so, but with D&D, &D, even within Forgotten Realms, within their like baseline world, there's so much more room to yeah. play and to kind of do whatever you can conceive of. Right. The beauty of the the homebrew world that has kind of stemmed from Dungeons and Dragons and the size of it, no less, which ironically is is kind of a major topic with the whole OGL OGL situation. But yeah. I digress. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, no, I that is that is a really good point. Yeah, Dungeons and Dragons definitely has a lot more openness within the the possibilities, I suppose you could say. Um, not to say that Avatar Legends doesn't have an almost endless amount of stories that could be told within it. Oh but, yeah, yeah. I think it's just there's like a certain level where it's like the difference between an original piece of fiction and a piece of fan fiction, right? Like right. we're essentially yes. producing fan fiction at our tables yep. versus yeah. writing something new. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yep. No, I completely agree. So with that aside, yeah, go watch, go watch the show. What are you doing? What are you doing sitting there not <laughs> watching the show and saying, yeah, I kind of want to play so, Avatar Legends. It's so good too. <laughs> like, <laughs> I feel like if you were going to try to do it without watching, you'd probably come into it with that, like very, okay. So this is basically like magic mindset of, you know, okay, well I played Dungeons and Dragons. So yeah, I mean, I've yeah. played some spells where like I got to throw fire and stuff. So yeah, I mean, I get it. And then it's just going to be, yeah, it's going to be a little bit scary from that point forward. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be kind of intrigued to hear somebody play, like, just from the I've never seen it standpoint. I mean, like I said, your, like, whole shtick was I've only ever seen the movie. Which plays in the fact that I chose a non-bender. Right, uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> I know weapons. I, I know weapons. I play D&D. You were scared <laughs> of the idea of bending, and you're like, I'm not going to tread on anybody's <laughs> foot or, like, upset anybody because I have no idea what I'm talking about. But, yeah, yeah. no, um, yeah. I mean, I will say too, kind of uh, in in defense of people coming without a lot of background in Avatar, yeah. one of one of our players yeah, had not, good. she had never oh, seen yeah. Legend of Korra yeah. and hadn't finished uh, the Last Airbender. I don't know if she still has has finished the Last Airbender or not, uh, but you know she got the hang of it eventually. You know, it was, yeah. there was a learning curve for her that wasn't there for the rest of us, yeah. but she caught up. Yeah. And it would almost be kind of cool to see like that that growth and development. Like, how did they interpret it? Yeah, from yeah. a standpoint of somebody that's never seen the show. It like has, we all see it. Oh, go ahead. Uh, go ahead. It, I was just gonna say it has led to Monroe doing some of the wackiest stuff exactly that I've ever seen in my entire <laughs> life. And I'm like, I'm here for it. Like, I'm like, yeah. absolutely. Let's try it. Let's see yeah. what happens. Exactly. Exactly. No, I completely agree. Like. Like we know that with water bending, you know, you could do some ice stuff and you can uh, whip your water and you might be able to do some blood bending if you figure that out a long way. Like the, that was an interesting take on the concept of water bending that up until that point in the show, I hadn't thought about until I saw it. And then I was like, whoa, that's that's dark, but really cool. So like, yeah, having somebody that's coming in with a clean slate, they've never seen like people just moving the water around and the kind of struggles that any of the characters go through while trying to like master their waterbending doesn't have that like limitation of, okay, this is how it works. So they mm -hmm. just go into it with like, yeah, like Justin said, crazy, crazy cool ideas, so, which yeah. is really exciting, honestly. So don't be intimidated by us yelling at you to watch Avatar or uh, yeah, Avatar The Last Airbender. <laughs> but you should watch Avatar. Last yeah, but you should watch Avatar. It's one Absolutely. of the greatest shows ever made. If you haven't watched it, really, what are you oh, doing? 100%, 100%. And it's so, what is it? Is it still on Netflix or is oh. it? Have they moved it at some point or something along the way? I don't know. Uh, yeah, at some I, point it'll be on Paramount it, Plus instead of Netflix. Yeah, it's, it's already, on there but... as of a couple weeks ago when I was okay. watching the Wanchi Tong Library episodes. Oh, right on. Perfect. Getting some inspiration, Justin? I was practicing my Wanchi Tong impression. Nice. <laughs> Very cool. You know, uh, Michaela, one of our players who plays Mika, uh, she was just asking me the other day because she saw... I did like a video showing off all the stuff that we got from our package. And she saw one book with the Wang Shitong Adventures. 
she was like, whoa, do we get to go to the library? I'm like, well, firstly, <laughs> this is completely unrelated to the library. It is really cool, though. But yes, we theoretically could go to the library. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Which then made me think about like, oh, crap, where did we set things in? And then I realized that a whole bunch of stuff that I wrote, well, not a whole lot, but like two episodes worth of stuff I wrote for season two, I had to retcon like a ton of it because I was like, whoa, <laughs> hold cool. on, we're... The Fire Nation has not gotten that far at this point in the like <laughs> War era. Yeah. And I need them out to be like the hardcore villains at this point. So that's not yeah. gonna work. So <laughs> that's always fun. <laughs> well, and and maybe like kind of the culture of what's going on too is another reason why it's it's kind of beneficial to watch the show before you play the game because mm-hmm. pretty much no matter where it's gonna be set at, there's probably some background from the show. Like, I mean, obviously Kyoshi and Roku are both their their stories are both referenced pretty heavily in the show so mm-hmm. it's pretty beneficial also yeah. your group will make a bunch of references to the show as inside jokes and if you have not watched it <laughs> oh gosh yes so yeah watch the show so you can just get inside jokes that'll help that's true too <laughs> that's true too <laughs> um okay so this is probably one of the biggest things that i've seen so far that's confused people that are trying to get into avatar legends uh and that is the balance and how all that works because that is it's a whole mechanic in and of itself that i can't think of anything that compares to it yeah justin will attest i did not understand balance at all for our entire first season You well, Justin, imagine. that means you must have done a really good job of explaining it. If you want to jump into it. <laughs> so I would tell players and GMs, read the balance section. Yes. And then read it again. Yeah. And then read it again. And then read it again. Because the game, the whole point of the game is balance. The whole right. point of the character is them mostly you're going to be playing like you see in the shows preteens teens kids who are honestly finding their place in the world trying to figure out who they are trying to figure out where they fit in and Mm -hmm. balance is this game's mechanic for figuring that out and it's these two principles which almost are secondary stats that Mm -hmm. are are constantly in tension with each other um so i like i think of uh the hammer's just always the one that i remember i don't know why but it's the one i remember the like off the top of my head the hammer's the hammer and you had to explain it to me constantly probably (laughs) (laughs) so the hammer's one of the playbooks and their two principles are force and care and it exists on this spectrum of plus uh three to minus three and if one goes up, the other goes down. Mm-hmm. So if you somehow move your force to plus one, that means your care is minus one. Um, but so there's that. There's the the stat part of it. But yeah. then there's also what they call the center. Um, and your center is. I explain it this way from like a narrative sense. It's like how you're conceiving of your place in the world at that moment. Do you conceive of yourself as being someone who cares more about force? Do you think of yourself as somebody who cares more about caring for people? Mm-hmm. So once you've had some time to like meditate, re recenter yourself, wherever your stats are, go back to the center. And a lot of the game is these stats moving up and down. There's a lot of mechanics for uh, like saying mean things to your friends and they say something back and your your principles shift your balance shifts 
Uh, and then there are ways to use your balance principles instead of what you would normally roll for a stat. So you can uh, mark some fatigue, and instead of rolling with one of the four main stats, you can roll with a higher, potentially, secondary stat from your, your balance principles. If it's uh, not higher, I don't understand why you would choose to do that. But I mean, like, could. I, could. I, could see, I could see there might be some story reasons where the GM might be like, yeah. I think this is probably a moment where actually I'm going to have you like mark fatigue and roll with that yeah i that would be rare i can't like nothing comes to the top of my head of a situation that would actually happen in, but it could happen um and then um my favorite thing is when you you lose your balance uh if mm -hmm. if you ever go past the end of the track plus three it's representative of this big emotional turmoil Something in that mm -hmm. moment has just pushed you over the edge of your concept of yourself, uh, and you lose a piece of yourself in that moment. Um, it's very fun. I GMs, I I don't know about you, Skylar. I love it when like people get taken out by conditions or people get taken out by uh, their balance shifting because it means that I get to add the craziest like complication and story element, and they just have to deal with it. They do. Yeah, absolutely. Well, to be fair, uh, I got really quiet there because uh, I, too, have always had questions about balance. So I was like, I need I need this. I need this explanation <laughs> Justin's about to give as much as anybody else might. It is definitely like I said, like a, it's a very um, narratively. I feel like it it makes sense. It clicks in my head. And I feel like yeah. for most people, you can get it from a narrative perspective. But it's just how it works in coercion with like other game mechanics and when do I roll for, you know, balance related stuff and yeah. how does that affect the role and things along those lines? So I think that's what a lot of people get hung up by. There, yeah. um, there aren't actually that many triggers. Interesting enough, for a game that centers around your balance and your harmony, there aren't that many triggers for when you shift your balance and your principles. Um, usually the, the move will be very explicit about that the only one that's kind of amorphous i think is um calling someone out um that's the one the gms really have to listen for because there are some times that like a character might say something or an npc honestly might even say something to a character that ca is calling them out we just had a uh, mm -hmm. i was just editing and I, we had a moment like this where um steve was talking to johnny's character and they like never said the balance principles but when the conversation was over it was very clear that mm. Ren, Steve's character, was trying to get Johnny's character, Osa, to do something. And it was in direct conflict with one of his principles. And I said, you have to call him out to live up to, to his principle. That's, I think, the only one for me that has been hard to like, okay, you really have to pay attention to like the philosophy and the meaning behind what's being said. Sure. Yeah. And I think, too, you said, Justin, like, and I think this is one of the other tricky things is that a lot of the times when it would be appropriate to say, like, OK, you need to do like this balance move. It, it's in a moment where everyone's super into their character and they're super mm -hmm. in the moment and it feels like you're interrupting something important yeah. to stop and have people do the mechanical thing. Yeah, I this is, I guess, a GM. We're moving to GM tips now for those sort of moves. Guide, guide, uh, assess comfort and assess and comfort, uh, or guide and. Oh my God, I'm not getting it wrong. <laughs> it's guide, all good. Yeah, guide I and comfort, and uh, mm -hmm. like call someone out. Um, I let the conversation happen, 
And then like a lot of those like conversational moves will have some like, if they reject your advice, do this. If they accept your advice, do this. I'll just, we'll just look back at the fiction and how they respond it and play around with like, it sounded like you were rejecting that. So let's go Mm -hmm. ahead and just follow the mechanics of that. Um, It has been the most elegant way because sometimes those conversations get dirty. (laughs) Like, yeah, yeah. My heart is being tugged on right now. I don't want to stop. Absolutely. It. Yeah. And that's yeah. And that's one of those things where you almost just want to step back. And and that's another thing that I feel like uh, Avatar Legends really does better than Dungeons and Dragons. Like Dungeons and Dragons, the DM is like constantly, constantly, constantly doing things and inserting things into the story and so on and so forth. In Avatar Legends. Yeah. I have never had as many opportunities to just sit back and be like, all right, I'm going to let them do this because they're they're having a moment. I'm going to just sit back and let them converse and we'll, we'll, you know, roll or whatever needs to be done afterwards, I guess. But like for the moment, like this is the development. This is the story that's happening right here. And I think too, if you're coming into it as a GM, like you're going to miss some of those triggers. Like there are going to be tons of times, like, and especially because we record our sessions, I go back and listen. I'm like, man, I should have had them do this at that moment. That would have been a great time to to hit this. But it like it works out fine, right? Like you you hit the moves when you hit the moves. It will complicate the story. I guarantee it. Uh, Your players will not roll 10 plus on everything. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so like, just don't like, don't be like, you don't have to be hyper vigilant. Um, and waiting to like step in and be like, oh, actually, that's the <laughs> yeah roll roll. You need to roll for that. <laughs> no, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. One thing I think too, just to that point, that Avatar Legends seems to give a little bit more space for than D and D for GM to just kind of step in and just add a thing and just be like, hey, this happens, and nobody's rolling for it. Nobody's like, you're not like here. Like, why don't you give me a a perception check and hope that they fail it so that you can do something. It's just like, (laughs) no, you guys didn't notice this thing happening. Yeah. You have a lot more, like it's more control almost to some extent, but also like that freedom to like, yeah, I think freedom's the better word. Like it's, yeah. yeah, To just, for sure. To to just tell the story versus. Like the inverse of that too, is like all the times in D and D you're like, Roll a perception check. I hope they don't fail so they can <laughs> yeah. see this thing that's yeah. incredibly vital to where this story is supposed <laughs> yeah. to be going. Like, now in Avatar Legends, like, I just tell you. If yeah. I'm like, they would see this, I'm just going to tell you what you see because I don't really yeah. care to make you roll for it. And that, like, is the broader philosophy of, like, you don't need to make everyone roll. For, you should not be making everyone roll for everything they do yeah. in Avatar Legends. If they can, if it, it's something their character could do on any given day at any moment, don't make them roll. Only mm-hmm. roll when things get complicated. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. I know a lot of people kind of a, sort of along those same lines. A lot of people have been discussing like, how do you guys handle money in Avatar Legends? And the answer typically, I mean, for us, it was a little bit different because money was like literally the the central like plot yeah. line. Like we have to achieve this much money in order to yeah. save the tea shop yeah. in the situation that we were in for for anything else. It's very like open. Would would your characters have enough money for this? Yeah, probably. Is it just some food, maybe some rations or whatever? Yeah, why not? Sure. Yeah, you probably have enough. Uh, would you have enough money to buy, I don't know, like a house or a brand new shiny sword or something? Yeah. Or like when uh, in the pirate episode of Avatar Legends, when Aang is like has that like full body totally. suit of armor on and stuff like that, would you have the money for that? Um, no, but oh, 
that's when you get to use the story and be like, okay, if you really want it that bad, here's, you know, maybe I'll insert some way that you could get it. Or or yeah. some character decides to steal it, and then that becomes a story. Oh, you're being chased down the streets of whatever this seedy Earth Kingdom village or whatever town that you're going through is, and you're being chased by pirates now, and now you have to do things to try to get out of that situation, or yeah. who knows? Money is only important if it needs to be important. Yes, yes, exactly. Also, That's way to put on it. top of that, another thing with money is uh, because you, in Avatar Legends, you typically play as a, a, a kid, a teenager, mm -hmm. right? Uh, money isn't usually the main source of currency that you have when you're a kid, right? Because you don't have a source of currency sometimes. You might have a job or sure, whatever, sure. right? Yeah, and I know, for example, in ours, uh, we, we, we made a bet. Uh, but instead oh, yeah. of betting money because we didn't have money, we instead bet chores. And yes. it's like the loser had to do the other person's yeah, chores. That's funny. And because of the system doesn't have a hard money system, yeah. it forces the players to have to role play yes. and create new forms of currency like, say, chores. Like exactly. they're siblings. Yeah, that's fun. Right? That's fun. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Kind of a goofy yeah. little fun thing. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of openness for that, yeah. which is great. Um, the next thing that often confuses people that I put on this list is combat and how combat or rather exchanges, you know, works in Avatar Legends versus Dungeons and Dragons, which I think is yeah. a whole, I'm sure all of us have plenty to say on that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> kicking off like just the way that combat works and ironically, don't feel bad if you do get it wrong because we got it wrong like in our yeah. entire first episode yeah we were like totally running that wrong <laughs> and i'm like ah there's no way for me to like retcon this but i think we yeah. we brought it up in like the second episode that like oh hey uh so i totally ran this wrong last time here's how we do it correctly from here on which again comes back to those 2d6 that you're rolling but the cool thing is is that you're making a lot of decisions beforehand yeah. And then you're rolling to see how many of those decisions in a sense that like you get to sort of follow through with in a sense, um, which is pretty cool, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Are, are, yeah. are we like diving into like specifics? Well, first off, I, well, no. So like, again, like I haven't played a, a ton of fifth edition um but yeah, I'm sure people that are listening to this are like, oh yeah, I got my my standard action and my move and my, yep. what is it, uh, reaction, it's action, action, bonus action, reaction, action, move. bonus action. Yep. And I, yeah, I'm used to standard action, move action. And now Pathfinder Two uh, E has just the three action economy, which is incredible. It's better if you're if you're <laughs> wanting to move to a D20 system, move to Pathfinder Two E because three action economy. Oh, it's so good. Love it. Um, <laughs> uh, but. Uh, I I think Avatar Legends is a decent foray for D and D people to come into Powered by the Apocalypse with because the combat is a bit more formulaic mm -hmm. um, than other Powered by the Apocalypse games. In most other Powered by the Apocalypse games, it's just what they call like spotlight. You just like shine it on who you think should be in the spotlight at that moment, and they get to do something. But in Avatar Legends, I I actually like it. I know a lot of people when it first came out, we're not a huge fan of it. Mm -hmm. uh, it feels yeah. like a, it feels like a martial arts battle to me yeah. because you're, it's, it's so much of a mental game too. So there are like, you know, there's the three stances you mm -hmm. can choose between defending and maneuvering as like a general stance, advancing and attacking or evading and observing. And that's like the, the position you take in that to quote unquote, like six seconds. Right. Yeah. Um, 
Where was I going with that? It's like martial arts. Yeah, it's like martial arts because um, so like you as the players are all getting to decide together like what you what approaches you want to take. But the GM doesn't tell you what the enemies are doing. Mm -hmm. So it's this like trying to figure out like, are they going to go first? Are they going to be able to do this thing before I get to do this? It's it's fun to me. So there's a there is some strategy involved in combat yeah. trying to figure out like, OK, yeah. I got to last this exchange so I can do this cool move next exchange um so there is some strategy involved but it's also still very narrative focused and in general you're just kind of like here's what i do what makes the most sense yeah yeah i the hardest thing for me switching over to avatar legends from D D was not have like some pbta games have a harm system where you can like mm. figure out how hurt your character is and in combat you'll mark statuses and conditions and fatigue and you might get taken out of the scene and things like that but by and large there's no like harm system in avatar legends and that was so hard for me to wrap my head around at first mm -hmm. and like kind of figure out like well how do i know when i'm too hurt to keep fighting and all that <laughs> like i just couldn't get my head around it but the flip side, the thing I I really love about Avatar Legends Combat is the the fact that when you choose your stance, when you go to to make your decisions about moves and everything, is you roll up front to find out how many things you're going to be able right. to do. Whereas in D and D, you decide what your action is, you try to take that action, you roll, you might roll a miss or roll like you roll, God forbid, you roll a nat one, and mm -hmm. then. <laughs> You've done this thing. You're so like set up in your mind for this cool moment, yeah. and then it fails and it falls flat. Right. Versus yeah. here, you know, at the top, at the outset, like, okay, I'm gonna get to do these oh. three things. And even if you roll a miss and you don't technically have the opportunity to do something, you can uh, shift your balance and do something anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then within combat, it's not like you're rolling to hit or miss. The stuff that if you get to move, the stuff you do happens and that's it. Happens, yeah. It's a part of, yeah, everything that's going on. I feel like there's a lot more of like a, a camaraderie aspect that comes into play with Avatar Legends because I can directly affect things that other people are doing yeah. Yeah. or I can act before them to set them up for success in D&D. I mean, to some extent, you kind of have that, like, you know, yeah. I can do this to the monster, I can do this spell, which is going to allow for, you know, yeah. but this one's a lot more, in a sense, straightforward towards, I can really help somebody else to succeed in their action, which yeah. is going to put all of us in a better place, or yeah. somebody's hurt, or somebody's in a bad situation over there, I need to go help them with some way, shape or form, like I can go. I guess they can evade a maneuver and then that's going to clear fatigue or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like you can go over and you can assist them because it's all narrative, which is really nice. Yeah. And I don't know if you guys have found this, but it seems to me like in our game, we do combat in character a lot better than I ever experienced in D and D. Like, I feel like in D and D, character kind of goes by the wayside during combat and everyone's just mm. trying to kill the monster hit. to do the thing <laughs> yeah. to hit yeah. uh yeah. and like what your character would do uh unless uh, we don't need to get into the the my character would do that people but uh <laughs> like your character development doesn't matter as much in combat and D, &D for a lot of people in yeah. avatar legends i feel like it's a lot easier to make decisions based on who your character is 
and what's going to advance the story for your character when that combat is finished. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I completely and agree. Also, your actions you do in combat in the Avatar system is also open-ended mm. in a sense where, like, you it says you do this. Like, for example, you you pin your opponent, but that it, but like it's like dot dot dot. Like, how do you yeah. pin your opponent? You're a yeah, water yeah, bender. Yeah. You use an ice attack. You know, mm-hmm. earth bender. You grab them with like the rocks or something, right? But then on top of that, because of the element of uh, like with he said with camaraderie, uh, say you do grab someone with like an earth attack. Well, then that sets up your ally who's following you with the next yeah, turn. Yeah, absolutely. And then they see their pin now with an earth attack. So what do they do? I don't know. They they go for a different attack on someone else, or they go for a different part of that person to like knock them out or something. You know? Yeah, absolutely. But it opens up the element of storytelling because. It leaves it, it. It has all the actions of it, like a dot, dot, dot. It's like and all the evaded maneuvers. It's like you evade, but like where or how, right? It's not just like I evade and then you just stay like that, like in D and D's, like I hide in the shadows. And it's like Man. that that you could just say that was your turn, right? It's just I hide. But in this, it's like you say I evade and observe, right? And then your D, your GM goes, okay, how are you evading, mm-hmm. or where are you going, or what are you observing? Yeah. Right? It just leads into more questions, which creates yeah. more story elements of what your character is really doing. You yeah. can't just say a basic action and just stop it there, right? It forces you yeah. to have to make choices. I cast this spell. It affects this specific amount of area. There's yeah. my damage. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. You know? Yeah. And it's you take it, too, and, like, I know playing this, I played Pathfinder 2E. Yeah in a campaign and like i play a spellcaster so i try and do a little razzle dazzle when it comes to my turn like here like here's here's what it's doing and i'm just like and i cast this spell it's like like what does that look like like every spellcaster is different and the same with this like every every bender is different i know oftentimes my question as a gm like there's so much one of our players is like i won't call them out but they're like notorious for like i strike I'm like, all right, how do you strike? Like, paint that picture for me. Tell me what it looks like when you strike. Because you striking is very different from Osa, our uh, defunct airbender, now martial artist. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. It all comes down to, like, the players as well and the GM and how they work together and stuff. Because because this is a bash on D&D because, you know... Uh, for example, with me, I, I only play fighters and barbarians, right? Which is probably the most basic character you could get at. <laughs> but I find myself usually the most descriptive character on each of my turns in combat because sure. I want to force a narrative, right? Because if yeah, I yeah, was yeah. trying to create a story for what my character is doing in the moment, mm-hmm. I would just be a character that just hits each turn and that would get boring very quickly. So... But the difference is between like D&D where I have to force myself to like get creative to make it interesting. Mm -hmm. This system just automatically I found I was a little annoyed because (laughs) we took our whole first season and my character is a combat character. And the very last episode is when we had our first combat. And I was like, this is what I've been waiting for all season. (laughs) And I ate it up. It was some of the best combat I've ever experienced. It was flying. It was through the walls. There were so many memorable moments, so many memorable moves and actions. And me as a player, I was always trying to, like, predict what what is Skylar going to have these these wacky characters going to do to try to stop (laughs) me, right? 
and how am I going to counter them, right? But that's the combat player. There might be other players who are more of the social players. I know, for example, like our player Dave, he he was the only one not involved in combat, but was rather was in the background cheering on people and getting like people to cheer people on and creating like social elements of yeah. the combat. And it's like that's how he chose to play it, and that's yeah. fine because it keeps it open, and that's yeah. what I loved about it. It, it. It's open, and it it lets you play more in the space. I guess is yeah. the right way to put it. To That's that, a good example, too. Yeah. yeah. I was just going to say to that, uh, another tip for players and GMs. If you were doing multiple combat exchanges per ep- like per session, like in a three or four hour session, if you've got two exchanges, you're doing way too many exchanges. Oh, yeah. If those, yeah. if those exchanges are lasting more than maybe four exchanges, it's yeah. too much. I try and keep it to two or three exchanges mm-hmm. at the most. And maybe an exchange every three four episodes probably right. on average yeah because think of like less often this season less often this season yeah and i've been wanting to get more into it but um yeah like uh like l- watch an episode of avatar the last airbender like yeah, the awesome. actual like fight by fight like scenes you get maybe every couple episodes it's the finale is the big one yep yeah finales are always the big one and but other than that the combats yeah. are usually like a minute a minute a move someone does a couple things and that's it so and yeah so what you do for that in in this system is you just use the basic moves um your character you know the character the player says i want to you know the guards don't see me and so i uh bend up the earth and trap them in the earth well in D &D, be like all right roll for initiative and then this you're just like all right that sounds like uh rely on your skills and training basic move to me let's do that if it works no exchanges Yep, yeah. I, that's a great way to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I think too that even just goes to like what good storytelling is and what makes a compelling story. And this is a storytelling game, right? Like mm-hmm. even things like you think about like Game of Thrones, which is we think about it as being this like hyper violent like thing, but if you actually like tally it up, there's a lot less combat than conversation in Game of Thrones. Like there's oh, people aren't being violent nearly as often as you think about it. It's just that that yeah. violence is a lot more visceral when it happens right and so it becomes yeah. like prevalent in your mind but yeah. the story hinges on the story moments not on the violence yeah. and i think it's the same sort of thing here it's just it's good yeah. storytelling yeah. yeah and maybe that speaks to like the quality of the fight scenes is if there's fewer of them yeah they're more intense when it does actually reach that point yeah so yeah no absolutely i think that's that's really cool we actually uh i don't know if you saw this but somebody in our discord that's what they the exact advice that they gave us was like Mm. hey going forward like you know make sure you keep exchanges to the minimum or combat exchanges to the minimum yeah and keep them quick and but (laughs) definitely go at it when it comes to like the season finale have something epic or whatever that happens for sure so yeah i do i think too oh go ahead go ahead johnny sorry i was just gonna say i think like a piece of player advice I would give is in in service of keeping the combat exchanges like snappy and me- moving things along. I think like if you're coming from a game like D&D, you learn to be a little bit trepidatious and like cautious. And especially because you don't know what moves the GM is planning in the background, it, you can be you can kind of hold back and you're like, OK, let me like reserve this thing until I know the lay of the land. But just like take the big swings like you watch yeah. Avatar The Last Airbender yeah, and you yeah. see like like Toph, she's always going in like hard right off the rip. And like you like just don't be afraid to just go in do the big thing yeah and maybe it ends in one exchange because you did the big thing versus it being dragged out because you're waiting and and worrying 
Yeah, exactly. It goes back to what Justin was saying about it, you don't die. You're probably yeah. well, unless you've decided that you're not going yeah. to die. So like, yeah. go for it. Yeah, do it. Let's see what happens. Use use that yeah. really cool thing that you've been kind of contemplating and and scheming up or whatever the case, you know. Which definitely can happen within within the narrative. So oh, yeah, awesome. Well, to be fair, uh, I've exhausted my list as far as things. <laughs> but if there's anything anyone does want to bring up, as far like before we just go into kind of like clo- closing statements and things along those lines. If there's anything anybody wants to bring up about the differences between Avatar Legends D&D, something you feel like players or, or GMs should know, go for it. The only thing that's on top of my mind uh, is not a mechanical conversation at all, but it is uh, being Asian American. Uh, the show Avatar: The Last Airbender has always been very special to me because it's one of mm. it was one of the earliest representations I ever saw. Even though it was anime, it was American anime still, of like this high fantasy world that respected culture, Asian culture. Yeah. Um, and so I think there is a conversation around playing this game and non-Asian players coming and playing Asian characters um, that you have to at least have with your table, I think. Um, And you have to be really careful that you're not playing into stereotypes as well. um, And that you're also respecting the, the cultures that this world is based off of. Um, Cause yeah, it does. It means a lot to a lot of people. So that's, that is not a mechanical conversation at all, but it is very important. I think to moving into this, this setting. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. It is a, a, a beautiful and incredible story that's been created. It's got so many amazing elements from from cultures uh, that in the world that we live in, in reality. And absolutely, it's it's so important to be respectful of that. Be respectful of the creator's intent and the direction that they were trying to go. I worry about the Netflix series because of the fact that the creators left. I worry that they might have stepped on some toes in some way, shape or form. But we'll see. We'll see. I'm not trying to. Yeah. Totally different direction there, I guess, but yeah. The casting's on point. Yes. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. phenomenal. I have seen so many updates, and I'm like, man, all right. Yeah. Why was the movie so hard to yeah. get? Hey, uh, good shows come down to writing. Yeah, so. that's, true. that's true. That's true. Yeah. And, but, you know, sometimes it's hard as creatives. It's hard to, like, let go of your baby. We don't know all the behind the scenes. It's possible yeah. that they just felt yeah. a little too attached to their original ideas. And maybe the ideas at Netflix aren't bad. They're just different. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. See, I'm excited. I'm, I'm excited too. Optimistic. Yeah, yeah, yes. <laughs> Crossing our fingers. Yeah. Guess, um. Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say to wrap up my my thoughts on all of this. Uh, there is two different ideologies, I guess, for D and D versus this uh, Avatar system, and uh, rather, I would also say Powered by the Apocalypse system because I've played three different ones now of the Powered by Apocalypse system, and I will say. D&D is for people who like the combat. They like those crunchy numbers. They like stats. They like they, they like the numbers to the game. And same with Pathfinder. Pathfinder is also the same kind of system. You like your numbers. You like your combat. Play those, right? Mm-hmm. But if you like telling a story and the um, the uh, 
the combat's the second element of it, and you want the story to be it, play a Powered by Apocalypse system, especially if you love the Avatar world, right? Uh, then play this one for sure if you love that. I personally like the Monster of the Week system the mm. best because I just love a good old Monster of the Week story. I love, like, the Supernatural and all those, right? The Scooby-Doo, you know, the classics, right? But that's me. But that doesn't mean I don't like this system because I also love this. This is a lot of fun, and it's in a great world. I love the show as well. Um, but, again, you need to look at yourself as a player, and... I, and say like, do I prefer combat or do I prefer this? And if you're a player who's like me, I like both. So that's why I can dance between D and D and this, and I can dance between them. That's fine. But I know some people, you, you want to fill your table with people who have like the same interest as well. Because if yeah. you have one player who's hardcore, just like I love combat and stuff, then they might not be the best person to bring to sit at a table with a bunch of people who love role play. Right. The right. Major, right? Mm -hmm. They might be a little bit frustrated for yeah. sure. So awesome. Fair. Well, with that being said, um, I just saw a notification that said we only have like five minutes left in this one. <laughs> so I guess I'll, I'll cut things here. Um, but thank you guys so much, so much for taking the time out of your days to, to sit down with us and talk. And I know everybody who's going to listen to this is going to really appreciate all this clarification on some of the rules and the differences. And they'll be able to get into Avatar Legends just like we have. I know I've gained a lot from this. Um, and I really need to go and like go over my book like maybe twice at least <laughs> to just like really solidify. But thank you guys so much. Uh, please uh, give a plug for Flying Python, please. Yeah, we uh, yeah you can come find us on pretty much any podcatcher you listen to Flying Bison podcast. We've got our website flyingbisonpodcast.com. Um, we just announced our first uh, Patreon exclusive show which Ooh. is super fun. Um, it's just going to be us kind of trying out a bunch of new games, all powered by the apocalypse as well. So oh. if you're like, oh, if you're interested in in more games in this system, Johnny's actually going to be jamming our first game in the Sword, the Crown, and the Unspeakable Power, which is like mm -hmm. a Witcher oh. Game of Thrones yeah, type. Very of cool. So yeah. we're super pumped to, to yeah. jump into that. And uh, yeah, we, we have a Discord. We love hanging out there and talking to people. And uh, thanks so much for uh, listening to this. Thanks for having us on, Skype. Yeah, thanks for having oh, us. Oh, absolutely. Seriously. And seriously, like I said before at the beginning of the episode, if you have questions on the rules and things like that, or you're confused by something, again, I highly recommend. I'm not saying that we can't help you over at the Benders and Bruce, but seriously, uh, the team over at the Flying Bison Podcast does a phenomenal job at clarifying rules. As you could have heard from, from Justin and Johnny, yeah. they, they have a really solid grasp. I've learned things. I know, Karen, yeah. you've learned things. So, And they've been playing way longer, so that means Absolutely. they probably have encountered more stuff. Too. Yes. So, I mean, I mean, experience <laughs> is the best thing well, to go to. And to <laughs> some extent, like, I learned, it was maybe like six months. I'm, we're probably going to kick out, but like at six months in, I was like, oh, I was doing that status wrong for the last six right. months. I get it now. Okay. All yeah. right. Readjusting. Exactly. All right. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, again, thank you guys so much. Really appreciate it. Uh, for those of you listening, thank you so much for listening. Yep. Check out the Flying Bison podcast. When you're done over there, head over and check out the Benders and Brews podcast. We have a good time too. Yeah. Uh, find a way to play Avatar Legends because it's super fun yep. if you get the chance. And of course, watch the show because we told you to do that. Yep. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you guys all so much. Have an awesome yeah. day. Have an Thanks. awesome night. See ya. See ya. Bye. Bye.